Welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. Back again, it's me, Chris, and I'm here with Patrick. Hey! And Steven. Hello, gentlemen. How are you guys doing? It's been another two weeks uh, of our of our hellish existence uh, are in the books. Dude, I'm fucking great. Speaking of hell and hellish existences and hellish oh, experiences. Yes. Oh, yes. Let's get right into it. <laughs> I feel like we need to share something that practically qualifies as a bit of spawn news is non-news. We all watched the sci-fi short uh, documentary, shall we call it, about Todd McFarlane entitled Like Hell I Won't this week. And that was an experience. Perfect title. Perfect title. You would think Todd wrote it himself. Uh, yeah. Our, our listeners are probably have sensed by my lack of contribution to Spawn news that I'm not really up on Spawn or Todd McFarlane. After watching this documentary for 45 minutes, I am a Todd Mc, McFarlane fan because he's literally James Cameron. <laughs> oh, and now you know everything. And now I know. All caught up. <laughs> now I know at least what Todd wants me to know about him. <laughs> this was not a great documentary. It was very much a puff piece for Todd McFarlane. Uh, not, not, not to say he's not a good guy, but like it's funny because I actually watched the beginning of it over again. And they show you like newspaper clippings and stuff of like Todd McFarlane goes into bankruptcy, Todd McFarlane sued by Neil Gaiman and like all this stuff that they just don't talk about in the documentary. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, actually. Yeah, they really don't get into any of the details of some of that stuff, which is quite fascinating in and of itself. But yeah, great, great little, uh, I guess, character portrait of Todd. I mean, for those of us who are already somewhat familiar with him and these just sort of crazy person that he is there's not necessarily a lot of new stuff in it but um yeah if you want your primer on this wild man that we for whatever reason continue to talk about on a regular basis this is a pretty good intro i i don't even want to say anything else because like I, I could talk about my favorite parts but you should just watch the documentary it's for free on youtube and and if you're at all interested and 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 laugh as the great lines and moments happen <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I there. I will just say, if we were reviewing this, there would be a spoiler room for me because there's a surprisingly emotional moment in it that just took me, caught me completely off guard late in the film. What was it when he talked about Spider Man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that really uh, brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> anyway. I don't care about the man; I care about the spider. <laughs> and in fact. There's even some Spawn news is non-news in it in that he once again references that he uh, is making a Spawn movie and he's going to direct it. So, I mean, actually, there's nothing new in that. He's just waiting on the last big check to, to hit his desk, which is... Yeah. <laughs> which, aren't we all? <gasps> yeah. But I God bless him. You know, I, I believe it'll happen and, and I wish him the best. God bless. I mean, a man who... I, yeah. It's interesting, we were talking about him a little bit via text the other day after we watched this thing, and like, I don't really like Todd McFarlane comics. His art is cool. I like his art, but uh, I, I don't necessarily like his output 
all that much, but he's just a fascinating person to me. And I just admire his drive and his commitment and his passion for what he does. Yeah, he's an oddly, yeah, an oddly compelling and inspiring figure, for sure. Even if you don't appreciate yeah. his art or his action figures, he's he's a fascinating guy who, you know, is proof that if you have that kind of drive, you can you can start your own your own industry, essentially. Totally. Yeah, it was a surprisingly inspirational 45-minute documentary for me, actually. I actually watched uh, Ginger Snaps for the first time, uh, partly inspired, again, by Hannibal, which I seem to talk about every episode because the the star of Ginger Snaps, Catherine Isabel, is also in Hannibal and um, really enjoyed Ginger Snaps, the sort of uh, black comedy, teen comedy, and some of the more dramatic stuff in it doesn't necessarily gel, but there's a lot of good individual elements and Catherine Isabel is fucking awesome in it. Uh, And I'm kind of curious to see the sequels now i did not realize that the third installment in the franchise actually goes back to i think it's a period piece it's said in like the 1600s or 1700s or something but stars the same two leads basically playing the same characters but not having time traveled or anything like they're just they they exist in a separate timeline sounds very strange and i'm curious to see it yeah, it's, it sounds wild. I've only ever seen the first one, but there's a great episode of Attack of the Queer Wolf that breaks down the whole trilogy, and mm. I that just like blew my mind when they started talking about the third film. Like, sounds what, wild. What a wild idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been uh, pretty lax. I haven't watched anything. Uh, there's no new new horror business in the Chris department. Well, no, meeting. Chris, you watched Joe Bob's Summer Sleepover last night, which I caught a little bit of. I did watch Joe Bob's Summer Sleepover. I watched all five hours of it. I, I do, you know, it takes it, it, watching all five hours of of any of his shows is kind of a it's an ordeal. I, I kind of want to just take today off and not record anything. Uh, but <laughs> the bill was a Slumber Party Massacre two, which started off with so much promise. But I ended up just hating it. It ended up being one of the most obnoxious things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and then the second part of the bill was Victor Crowley, which is the fourth movie in the Hatchet series, which I've totally been sleeping on. I didn't know a goddamn thing about Hatchet. I assumed it was like straight to VOD, like we got Kane Hodder to to sign up, so we're just going to milk it. Trash franchise. You assumed it was a Gary Paulson adaptation. I was hoping, um, but no, it, it was actually uh, made me very interested to watch the Hatchet franchise. It was, uh, it was, it held my attention. It, it wasn't great film by any means, but it was fun. There were some good laughs in it. Um, the character of Victor Crowley is is kind of interesting. Um, so my my curiosity on the franchise was piqued a little bit. And it's a pretty richly developed franchise. There's like five of them or something. Four, four now. Four, okay. Yeah. And I, I just watched the fourth in the in the franchise. I jumped right in and and I was not lost one bit. So, you know, good for them. Well, we also all watched the Golem this week. We did. We watched the Golem. That was uh, the Wheel of Death picked that for us on our last episode, and it is a. Uh, 2018, I believe, 2018 Israeli film uh, shot in, uh, I think, the Ukraine or somewhere in Eastern Europe, a period piece. And, you know, I was really excited to watch this because whenever you invoke one of the, like, uh, classic 
monsters that doesn't get a lot of love. Like I was very excited when Don't Knock Twice brought up the Baba Yaga. Um, I get a little excited. So I was like, great, let's see a golem story. Yeah, I, I listened back to the end of our last app and there was there was quite a bit of quite a bit of excitement for this one. I also love like taking an old sort of traditional monster like that and you know, if, if not even doing something new with it, just just using it again. There aren't many Golem movies. Like in my research there were quite a few in like the silent film era and I can't really think of another outside of that period. Well and it's interesting because I wasn't really that familiar with the concept or the mythology behind a golem. I don't know. I I feel like most of the time you hear the word golem used almost as a uh, metaphor, or I guess a simile to describe another type of creature, you know, they'll say a a golem like creature. And I didn't know too much about the specifics of what a golem actually is, but I learned a lot from this movie. Most of my knowledge of the golem comes from the season four X-Files episode Caddish in which Mulder Mm. and Scully investigate uh, killings that end up being linked to a golem created by an Orthodox Jewish community. I should have revisited that before we did this. Yeah, I should have. Maybe I'll go back. But and and this is the movie. It's it's kind of hard to really tell you the premise without getting into some twists and spoilers. But I'll, I'll do my best. Basically, the year it's the 17th century, right? It's like 1670 something, whatever. We're like we're like in the witch time period. Yeah. And this and and the movie's fairly reminiscent of the witch in a couple ways, but 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 not too much. And we have a a Jewish village in. Lithuania, and we have a hero named Anna, or is it Hannah? Hannah. Hannah and Benjamin are a, are a married couple, uh, and they have lost a child, basically. And not like in the woods, but he died. Yeah, he died. He <laughs> 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 drowned. Right? <laughs> And uh, you know they're 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 trying for another child, having difficulty uh, with uh, pregnancy. Hannah is kind of rebellious. She kind of sneaks underneath the church and and listens to uh, the sermons and things that I guess are uh, exclusively reserved for men. Uh, anyway, their whole village comes under attack by uh, Gentiles that from from outsiders some city slicking gentiles from the, from the big city <laughs> city slickers who are who are experiencing a plague and they are uh scapegoating the jewish village saying well they cast a curse on us and they begin to provoke the community uh they they commit some acts of aggression and basically hannah decides that the way to protect her family and her community is to st- is to sneak a cursed book or, or, or a, to to sneak a forbidden book of scripture away from their uh, uh, rabbi. It's the Kabbalah. She she performs uh, Kabbalist rituals, and she decides she's going to create a golem against the advice of the whole spiritual community. She decides she's going to create a golem to protect the village, and they say. They say, Hannah, don't fuck with this. They say, Hannah, Moses himself maybe could control a golem, but you have no chance. You can't even keep your child from drowning. I don't think you can handle a golem. I think she, they actually say that, don't they? No, no, they don't say that, but they say you, you can't even conceive a child. How are you going to control a golem? Yeah. Yeah, they're talking shit at her the whole movie. 
super rude. But from there, it subverted my expectations a bit, especially when you talk about what a golem is uh, and and what it does. And and I thought the way that that kind of twisted and turned and and subverted my expectations was very interesting. Held my attention through the entire movie. This is a really quirky movie. Like it's a. Uh... It's got some pacing issues, but like I would say like every 15 minutes or so, it took a turn I wasn't expecting. And that's sort of why it's so hard to talk about without getting into spoilers. Yeah, it's it's very hard to talk about without getting into spoilers. So maybe we should talk about what a golem is, or at least what this kind of golem is. So this is based on uh, a legend from Prague, I believe. It's a very particular legend about a golem. And essentially... A golem is like is like reanimated earth. I think they're generally made out of earth or out of you know c- dirt or clay. You have to, according to this movie, you have to perform this insane, almost satanic-looking ritual with a flaming star of David. You write or draw an inscription on the forehead of this like human-like creation that you've made, and 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 it breathes life into it, and it's supposed to to kind of follow you and protect you. But we learn in the opening scene of this movie that golems are very difficult to tame. We see a young girl who witnesses her father's head explode, scanner style, at the behest <laughs> of a golem. Yeah, and that's a like a flashback scene of a character who we later meet as an older woman in the movie. And that's kind of how we find out, you know, why uh, she's so alarmed by the new golem, our, our titular golem. Because she saw this shit go down as a girl. I was kind of confused and frustrated for a while about that opening scene. I didn't, I didn't know whether it was like an in media res thing or if it was a prologue. Uh, but they, they clear it up. All your questions get answered in this movie. This movie doesn't leave a lot of threads hanging. Yeah, it's pretty tightly written, very tightly scripted. It takes a while. I mean, for for the longest time during this movie, I thought maybe that was Hannah in the opening scene. Because we yeah. get like 45 minutes in before we realize what's going on. So that was a little confusing. I, w- I was sort of frustrated by that. But but again, they tied up the loose end. It was fine. Yeah, it did a nice job of sort of setting the tone and letting you know what to expect of a golem before digging into, you know, just setting the scene and establishing sort of what everyday life is like in this village and uh, establishing our characters, which I thought it did a really nice job of doing. Like, it's a really, really nicely constructed set. It feels very, very real and very lived in. And uh, the characters, particularly Hannah, are um, also feel very real and uh the the movie takes some time to actually set up those performances and those characters um so it's it's a nice way to kind of get you into the action with a little bit of uh excitement there and then you know settle you into the the mundane everyday life in this village it's a slow burn and then seeing you know the dead bodies and everything in the beginning kind of give you that context for why the the holy men and stuff are saying well listen don't don't fuck with the golem. Yeah. Um, although it's, you know, interesting psychological thing happened to me where like, I know it's bad news to, to raise a golem. Um, and I knew that the golem was probably going to lay waste to the entire village. In addition to the outsiders that, that we're trying to protect against. I still couldn't wait for her to make this golem though. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, I had no internal conflict where I was like, uh Oh, Hannah shouldn't be doing this. I was like, no, Hannah, you go, girl, make that golem. 
Absolutely. Interesting parallel to the splice there too, with this sort of Frankenstein creation thing where you're like, this can only go badly, but I'm also kind of like endeared by this creature and I want to, I want to see how it goes wrong. I'm excited for it. Well, yeah. And especially because like everybody's so shitty to Hannah, the entire movie up until that point, it's like, yeah, make a fucking golem. Yeah, we kind of want to see her let it go, so to speak. There's no one else I care about in the movie other than, well, other than Perla, the old the old woman who we saw at the well, not old woman, but she's older woman. Um, uh, everyone else kind of sucks. So, speaking of this movie being like pleasantly surprising in ways I wasn't expecting, what did you guys think about this being a plague movie? Like that oh, really, man. that really hit me right off the bat. Like. <laughs> Dude, I was I, I actually was texting with uh, Katie, our guest from last episode, because she's a big fan of this movie as I was watching it. And I was like, this feels very COVID apropos, because when the um, like the invading uh, villagers, the aggressors um, come in, like one of them's wearing one of those traditional like plague doctor masks with the, you know, kind of peaked nose that comes out of the mask and the big round goggles and everybody else is literally wearing like face coverings below their nose and i was like shit this feels uh very germane to our current moment in a weird way they could figure this shit out back in 1678 to wear fucking masks let's remake this movie with like it's like a it's like a far right compound that (laughs) believes masks is government conspiracy and then it's 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 little uh, lefty bleeding heart sons of bitches like us infringing on their sovereign <laughs> citizenship. I was just I was just worried for our you know for our home team for our villagers because they have no protection. These people who have been exposed to infection just show up out of fucking nowhere. They've got a sick woman with them that they demand be oh, healed. This is a horrifying scene. I mean, this the 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 scummy looking leader of this group, who's just a fascinating looking. This actor just has a face. He's just got a face. He's a fascinating looking person. Yeah, and he just comes in and has his cronies just throw, a, just clear a wedding feast off this long banquet table, and just throw his plague infected ailing daughter on the table, and just he's just like fix this, heal her. This is your problem. Yeah, they they crash a wedding, and it's it's quite disturbing. Um, this ain't this ain't fucking Will Ferrell and Owen Wilson, or <laughs> or is it Luke Wilson? And and that's the whole inciting incident. They have a sick daughter, or the the one guy with the creepy face, and that's something that actually kind of I couldn't. I, I was like, I'm really into this movie and the atmosphere and kind of the slow burn and the intelligence of everything. And I was kind of taken out of it a bit when you have this like comically evil and he looks evil guy coming into the village. But I got comfortable with it because I think there's a lot of sort of fairy tale sort of uh, energy in this movie. Um, and even I would say. It also reminded me a bit of a superhero film later on. Maybe maybe that's too much of a stretch, but definitely taking this this traditional story of a golem, updating it, uh, keeping kind of the fairy tale energy, but also kind of making it a little contemporary and 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 following some of the tropes I felt uh, that you might see in a in a Marvel movie. 
I see what you're saying about the villain. He definitely has almost a Disney villain sort of character to him. Like you could animate him and I feel like he would fit in perfectly in a Disney film just as far as the the physicality and his appearance. Or maybe it's just because like Disney films like traditionally use like caricatures of like Eastern European people as villains. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I did appreciate that as the film went on, actually weirdly this character who has behaved absolutely horrifyingly for the entire film ends up having a bit of nuance to him and i wound up weirdly empathizing with him at a couple of points so kudos to the film for pulling that off and and even having the concern to do that i mean yeah he's a relatable guy and that he's got a, a dying daughter who there's really nothing that anyone can do for her and he doesn't understand medicine. He, you know, he, we can. He's scapegoating the Jewish village, sure, but that's probably a, a rational response in 1670 or whatever. It's not like he can pull up his iPhone and go to WebMD and see what's <laughs> going on. He's just like, well, here's a bunch of people who aren't sick who like keep looking at us funny. <laughs> you know, they must have something to do with it. I just yeah. don't understand, like, what how what's the final straw that like turns him into a villain though? Like given his predicament, like, yeah, he's got a sick daughter, but like, why does he feel the need to go after this village? Well, it's kind of provoked because Hannah and her sister go swimming at a watering hole. That's close to the Gentile village. And they see the plague doctors and they see them like burning bodies and shit. But I think there's already tension well, yeah, there's, there's already a tension, but like the the Gentiles show up like the next day or something. So it's kind of it was suggested to me that maybe Hannah being out there at the watering hole was a provocation, you know, or maybe may, maybe you're 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 nursing your dying daughter. The the Jewish village on the outskirts of your town isn't in your mind. And then you hear about this and you're like, oh, actually, you know what? It's probably their fault. Yeah, I I don't know. I didn't see it as an inciting incident necessarily for that. I just I think what makes him a villain is xenophobia. Yeah, sure. That that's fair enough. But there are a lot of pretty heady like universal themes in this and just like, you know, what a woman's role is in society and like what information and power is deliberately kept from women. I kind of enjoyed all of that. Like I felt like this was really like a female empowerment movie at the end of the day. Oh yeah. For sure. This is a hard movie to talk about, especially because, you know, a large part of kind of the premise is is, is very twisty. Um, and I don't know if we should talk about it before we go to the spoiler room. So how about we just give our reviews and uh, and then if people want to check out the movie, they can do it or they can follow us down and uh, hear where all these story threads uh, end up. Steven, would you like to go first? Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll give this a cue it. You know, at an hour and 34 minutes, it still oddly lags in places, but there were a lot of surprises along the way. It's compellingly directed, performed. Um, again, just kind of cool to see the golem myth resurrected in, in film. If you're interested in, in monsters and folklore and fairy tales, like, definitely seek this out. It's a kind of an interesting take on a lot of classic tropes that we're used to in a sort of monster movie. I think it's it's going to surprise you. It's not perfect. There are some moments that drag on a little too long. There are some moments that are a little bit ham-fisted, but it's so short that I can't not recommend watching it. So, cue it. Chris, what did you think? I love this movie, and I'm going to give it a view it. 
Um, this this movie had me pretty damn wrapped um, from the beginning, and I thought that every scene was very interesting in some way or another, sometimes multiple ways. I thought the characterization was really good, uh, very well made uh, with the great cinematography, uh, the... Uh, the characterization was good. The conflicts were good. Twists galore. Uh, you know, just when you kind of think you know what's going on, something else changes and makes you think about things in a whole new way. It makes you think about all the scenes that came before it in a whole new way. Uh, so I, I really appreciate it. I thought it was a blast. Uh, a perfect film? Maybe not, but, but certainly one of the better movies I've seen uh, on this Netflix journey. So view it. Patrick. I'll second that. I had a great time with this. I felt very drawn into the world that it created. It was uh, well-performed. Um, I was also kind of impressed by the... Uh, I mean, there's some there's some surprisingly big, like, gross gore moments in this that I wasn't expecting, which was sort of a fun addition to this sort of film. Um, you know, it, it had thematic resonance as well uh for once chris i don't think you're trying to uh draw blood from a stone or whatever the uh the expression is in in seeking themes in this movie i think there's um some really interesting themes in the film i am curious to hear in the spoiler room more about what you guys thought some of these twists were because i didn't perceive that in the same way so i'm i'm curious to to hear more about that when we go down to the old spoiler room but for now i'll leave it at a view it uh let me piggyback on something you said real quick because you talked about kind of the gore moments and stuff like that and that is something else that struck me where this kind of feels like an art film it's it's very you know kind of slow and and it's a period piece and everything's very deliberately done but it's not afraid to entertain so you still have some big moments where people's hearts are getting ripped out and stuff and it's it's it doesn't take itself too seriously i think in those moments yeah i mean we i I don't this is not a spoiler because we already reference this happens in the first couple minutes of the movie i mean the golem does some head exploding on a regular basis the golem just has this fucking telekinetic power where he just reaches out his hand and just the head explodes in a fucking as steven said scanners style shower of blood and uh i loved it and we get a lot more of that as this movie goes along i was i was delighted i'm not a i'm not a gore hound but i love that this movie which generally does take itself really seriously just goes into like gleeful abandon and showers of blood on a regular basis yeah i appreciate that while it is a movie that takes its characters and its themes and its performances quite seriously and does some really nice work with all of those things it's also not too good to just give you those big uh gross sort of shocking horror movie moments and i appreciate a movie that you know uh, get you a movie that can do both. This isn't like The Witch, where I love The Witch, but you know, you, you spend ninety minutes waiting for something to happen, and then a guy gets kicked by a goat. <laughs> <laughs> and I love The Witch, but yes. <laughs> well, before we go down to the spoiler room, I think this is the designated moment where I remind you all to go to every horror movie on Netflix dot com, uh, hit that merch store link. 
go grab some of our hot t-shirts or a coffee mug or some other item of merch, whatever happens to be your style. Get on your social media, follow us. We're at Amoncast, that's E-H-M-O-N cast. And also don't forget to go to your favorite uh, podcast provider, leave us a review, make sure it's a five-star one. Uh, It helps people find the show and uh, makes us feel good. Do you think I should summon a guardian made out of clay and earth to protect us from one-star reviews? I think we should summon an army of golems to write reviews for us exclusively. What could go wrong? We'll find (laughs) out in the spoiler room. (laughs) What more evil pursuit is there to summon a golem for than rating and reviewing this show? All right, go watch the golem if you're so inclined. Otherwise, stick around. In a few seconds, we will spoil everything. All right, welcome back. We are here in the spoiler room, hanging out, looking at the forbidden verses of Scripture. The 75 secret words for God. Is it 75, 74? And I'm really, obviously, as we often are when we when we take our little uh, multicultural adventures on this show, we're kind of at a disadvantage uh, again because I, I assume that pretty much all this stuff is actually based in uh, Judaism or, 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 or what uh, Judaism used to be at least um, in terms of kind of the stuff we see about women not being allowed uh, to hear the sermons and not being allowed to study or, or and having you know forbidden spells and things and the 72 letters or whatever that create the golem I thought that was all interesting and I'm sure it was based in reality to some extent but I thought it was neat well the golem stuff is pure mythology that is not like actually related to any religious text as far as i know like that's that's just a fairy tale well that's a disappointment i know right (laughs) (laughs) well but this movie is steeped in or at least i got the impression that it was steeped in you know the the history of judaism and it felt culturally authentic yeah instead of just you know somebody making up some bullshit I'm trying to think, like, is there an analog in Christianity for something that's kind of like a a Christian uh, mythological figure, but isn't really based in scripture? Like the exorcist. The Easter bunny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's taking me back to holidays. Yeah. Is exorcism not not based in, in the Bible? I don't think there's actual exorcism in the Bible. Like somebody can fact check me on that. All right. Well, well, clearly this is not the show to be trying to sort all this stuff out. I'm sure there's better podcasts you could listen to about theology and the occult and and mythology and 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 we are just throwing darts with a blindfold on. So let's get into the damn spoilers here. Let's get into all the stuff that we were biting our tongues on, but in the first half of the show. So. The the main spoilers here are Hannah makes this golem and she goes out to the woods and she she sculpts a, a pretty sizable effigy out of earth in the middle of her you know fire and and all that and then she is you know overcome by spirits passes out wakes up something is hatched from this from this earth and we're still kind of expecting there to be a giant clay man walking around but when she's jumped in the forest by the gentiles and they try to hang her uh her life is saved by not a giant clay man but something that looks like a eight-year-old boy eight-year-old boy just covered in mud and nothing else 
Yeah, he's 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 ass naked, naked as the day he was born, which was today, and <laughs> covered in mud, <laughs> and obviously re- reminds Hannah of her dead son uh, almost immediately. Um, but the, even the revelation that that she had a dead son kind of comes as a surprise, um, and and we kind of go through a whole bunch of twists and turns with kind of what her and Benjamin's family situation is. For a long time, it looks like they just can't conceive. Uh, the the rabbi who is Benjamin's father says, "Look, it's been seven years. If she's not going to do her womanly duty, you're totally within your rights to like dump her." Well, and early on, we see her. We see her with like the the woman who is like simultaneously Perla, like the, the yeah the Perla. Um, she's like she's like I I don't know. I thought she was a midwife at first. It turns out she's just kind of like a catch all spiritual healer. And I thought she she puts this there's kind of a gynecological exam esque scene, and she puts this this ointment on Hannah. And I thought it was like some kind of spiritual remedy to help her conceive. Well, it turns out she's trying not to have a baby with Benjamin. Yeah, but that's a, you're totally led to believe that this is a, a aid to having a baby, and then it's not till late in the movie Benjamin finds the ointment when he's playing one man hide and seek with the golem, um, <laughs> and he's like, "What the hell is this?" And we're like, "Wait, Benjamin doesn't know." And then we realize, "Oh, Hannah has deliberately been n- trying not to have a baby because she's so traumatized by losing her first one." And so now she has a golem who looks, walks, doesn't talk, but acts like a, a eight-year-old boy or whatever, reminds her of her lost son, but even better, she realizes that this guy is immortal. And they're like, she even tests it. She tries to drown him in the bathtub and like realizes that he's fine. He can't drown like her son drowned in the river or whatever. So now she's just like, well, this is great. I've got a new son and I'm going to love him forever. Well, and it's like a superpower too. Like she's under, she's um, receiving all this scorn because she hasn't produced a child. Well, now she's produced like an immortal being that can protect the entire town. Like what power she suddenly has. So, I mean, there's, there's a fantastic sequence where basically it all comes to a head. Um, Well, basically the golem has uh, sneaked out at night and stabbed a village woman to death. This is the same village woman who uh, was catching Benjamin's eye earlier. Uh, Benjamin and this woman end up kind of spending the night together. They they don't have sex, but she cooks him a nice meal. It's 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 probably more erotic than sex for for sixteen seventy whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know. There's some pretty erotic sex in this movie. <laughs> there is, but um, hey, I mean, cooking someone a nice meal can still be more erotic than sex. Sure. But Hannah sees them on their little date and she is wounded by this. And she has a like telepathic bond with the golem boy. When she hurts, the golem hurts. And the golem doesn't understand that it's okay to hurt sometimes. So the golem goes out at night and stabs this woman to death. Everyone thinks the Gentiles did it. There's going to be a big showdown in the field. People are packing guns. Uh, People get killed on both sides. The golem shows up and just reeks hell and we have hannah stepping out into the sun this is this is her fucking frozen moment she is fucking spinning her hair's in the wind everyone's like oh my god hannah is is 
Hannah is free and liberated and badass. Yeah, Frozen is not the like cultural reference that I would have connected to that, but okay. It's the same shit. She's she's been hiding it away. And like and then especially like when we meet <laughs> Hannah, she's hiding, literally hiding in the dark under the floorboards, listening to the rabbi, and then to see her in the sunlight, out and about, with a golem, raising hell. It's just like Frozen. <laughs> Oh my god, this is this is wild. You're wild. This I've never wild. seen Frozen. Well, you know the song, Let It Go. I know the those words to that song. It's about you have this thing on the inside. Should we you're, sing it to you're, him? You're, you're cloistered. Wow. It's time to let it go and, and show everybody. Well, she lets it go. She comes out in a pretty big way, and there's some head exploding. There's shots fired on both sides. It's a pre- it's kind of a bloodbath. And this is where we first start to see the shithead from the other side. What's his name? Vladimir? Does he have a name? He definitely has a name. He's the man with no name. The, the, <laughs> Disney, the Disney villain, uh, we finally start to see that he maybe is not completely merciless or is not just like a nonstop killing machine because he realizes basically that he and his ailing daughter are going to get fucked if he continues to fight. So he stands down. He stands down and like, okay, what was the plan really? Um, What was Perla's plan really just to buy time? Like even she seems to know she can't heal this girl, but that's like the one thing keeping them safe is that she's under her care. She's allegedly going to get better at some point, but we see no signs of improvement. I think I think Pearl is kind of a true believer, you know. She thinks that, you know, if if she prays hard enough and gives her the right herbs and uh God uh steps in, that she'll be all right. She kind of hasn't had a choice. He's just like do something. And so she's like, "Well, I got to do my best." Yeah, he's literally he literally puts a knife to her throat and says like, "By the way, I'm going to slit your throat if you leave here again and my daughter like isn't on her feet." Right. In the first confrontation between the Gentiles and, and the villagers, she does step forward and say she can do something. Like she doesn't have to do that. Um, but she chooses to, and it's just like a little bit murky. But again, it, it, it does work from like the thriller angle because it is kind of like a ticking time bomb. Yeah, I think in that moment, she's just kind of trying to diffuse the tension because so much violence has been threatened and everybody's like, there's nothing we can do. And so I think she steps forward just to be like, all right, I'm, I'm going to try because what else am I going to do in the face of these psychos? After that confrontation and once the golem is outed, the town is like, we got to fucking get rid of this thing. Like, it's too it's too powerful. It's going to hurt us. We know that golems can hurt, you know, your loved ones too. Well, it commits more murder. That's I mean, that's the thing. I mean, for, for a second, we kind of settle into like domestic drama kind of stuff. Um uh, where it's just kind of Hannah and Benjamin and the Golem like living together, trying to be a family. Hannah. That's really pet cemetery. Yeah, extremely pet cemetery. Um, H- Hannah's like really trying to force feed this thing to Benjamin and be like, "Look, this is our son now. Come join us for dinner." And it's like, "Okay, no, no, thanks." But but basically, the 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 healer. What was her name? Perla. Perla. She. Much like Alien Covenant, she saw the devil when she was four. <laughs> or whatever. And, and Except in a, this movie, we know what that actually means. Because we saw it, yeah. And that's actually a scene I really liked. Like, right when the golem comes home, like, she sees him and she talks to him. Like, not as a boy, but like, oh, I remember you. 
I fucked you up once. Right. Someday I'll do it again. Anyway, she sneaks into the house and she's like, I'm going to start, you know, doing the chants and, and I'm going to kill this fucking this golem before it gets out of hand. Uh, she ends up dead in a, in a box. And that's kind of the moment where Benjamin's like, OK, this thing has killed one too many people. Um, it's it's not supposed to be here. It's not my son. I'm going to go. Yes, his father, the rabbi, what to do? His the rabbi's like, all right, gather like the eight most most faithful people. We've seen this before. Gather like the eight most faithful people in town. We're gonna start a posse. We're gonna go get this golem. We're gonna pray it away. And that's what they do. And it almost works until the Gentiles ride into town again and just start burning down the whole town. There's a particularly brutal moment where one of them just fucking smacks Hannah on the back of the head with a torch. I thought she was done. Yep. Yeah. Toast. And because they, uh, because the golem can feel what Hannah feels, that jolt kind of uh, brings him back to life. And he, he tears his way out of the temple and fucking kills all the Gentiles. And... To me, it was unclear. Like, I think he may be killing villagers in equal amount at that point. I was wondering that, too. And I was kind of wondering what your you guys' perception of that was, because it was a bit unclear to me. It seemed like he was just kind of killing indiscriminately in that moment. Yeah. All we know is that, like, at the when the dust clears, there's like three or four people still alive in the village and the village is damn near burned down and Hannah kind of realizes what has to be done you know she goes over and and has her closure she wishes the golem uh, safe travels and says I love you as a child blah 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 she takes the parchment from his lips which turns him back into dust much like Avengers Infinity War (laughs) (laughs) oh my god your references this episode have been Amazing. That's exactly what happens. He, she, he, he's he's in her arms like Spider-Man. <laughs> um, and then so she reconciles with Benjamin and, and they, they are finally able to move on from their personal trauma at the expense of their entire village and everyone else they've ever loved or cared about. So happy ending, I guess. You know, it's it's funny because when this movie ended, I was like, you know, this movie is really like if Frozen met Avengers Infinity War. And I'm so glad that you had the same yeah. experience with it. Yep. Again, and and, and uh, not because of that moment, but some of this stuff where where the golem is riding in and just blowing people up like Iron Man, basically. The the way the score was like the there's something about the score was very like kind of modern action superhero score. Oh, totally. Um, I did get kind of that like heroic, like this is kind of like a superhero story. I mean, the, the golem is traditionally kind of a superhero until he's not right. Like we, we, we need this guy to protect us. Maybe kind of, it's more of more in line with like an anti-hero story. I think, I don't know. I mean, that's not a heroic moment really. When I mean, yeah. Cause as we said, he's just like killing indiscriminately. Well, especially early on when he, when he first, goes on the attack but the thing i didn't really understand is like he's got these like cosmic powers but then he also like slinks around in the dark with a knife and stabs people (laughs) yeah it's like i don't know maybe it maybe it takes a lot of energy for him to like telekinetically blow someone's head up and then he has to resort to just melee with a a (laughs) or something while while his mana restores he has to (laughs) he has to stab Because it's like they make a big deal of the knife because there's a knife in the house and the camera lingers on this knife a lot. And I'm like, why does he need a knife? 
and this is maybe kind of minor, but so when Benjamin and Hannah are having dinner with the golem for the first time, the golem stabs himself in the thigh with the knife and Hannah feels it. And like, obviously something terrible has happened to her, but she somehow manages to shrug it off. Why did he do that? Why did the golem do that? Just to remind her that like he has more control than she thinks he does. I was unclear about that moment too. I guess it depends on if you see the golem as being like a a cosmic, uh, very intelligent being in the body of a child, or if he's more like a child. I kind of read it as like the golem is very powerful, but like still has the curiosity and temperament of a kid, and is just like, let's see, let's see what this does. So again, very, very splice. Interesting that we've reviewed these movies back to back. He seemed angry about something in that moment, though, and and now. I'm sure it's probably clearer in the scene. I just don't remember now, but he was angry about something. I think maybe just like being made to sit down with Benjamin. I don't think he liked Benjamin very much. He loved his violin, though. Uh-huh, yeah. But that whole uh, transformation of Hannah was uh, so satisfying to me where, you know, once once she lets it go and <laughs> she's out there and, and she has the golem and she she becomes so confident compared to how she's been the rest of the movie um you know hot sex scene and everything um she's a totally different person so where she's like look at me look at me i'm the captain now oh my god (laughs) will you stop (laughs) um we've talked about the the lead who plays hannah she's fantastic but also the little kid who plays the golem is fucking incredible without speaking a word like that kid communicates a lot. I was really impressed with him. He reminded me of the little boy in, um, fuck, what was that Mike Flanagan movie that came out? Before like, I Wake. Yeah, yeah. He was able to mm-hmm. channel just like that little boy so much just with his eyes. Even. Yeah. He reminded me of the boy in The Boy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, your references have gone too far. But yeah, you know, just kind of that kind of thing where it's like we got an innocent child, but there's a a great and dark power behind him. The the actor in this movie checks the boxes. So he's the Israeli Jacob Tremblay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Promising future for him. We got Israel's answer to Jacob Tremblay. We got Israel's answer to Jessica Chastain. <laughs> yes, I was just gonna say that. <laughs> But that's basically the movie. And then, uh, of course, there's a, a little stinger at the end that I did not like where the parchment rolls away and the, the little girl whose mother was stabbed to death by the golem picks it up like, oh, maybe she's now going to kind of create a golem. I, I, I could have done without that. I didn't really get what that was about. I, I Well, OK, in the moment I saw it as like, OK, the power that Hannah was able to harness that ended up, you know, kind of changing her life, completing her narrative arc. Like that's being passed down to the next generation. But what doesn't make sense is like nothing really good happened from bringing this girl out, except that she was able to reunite with her asshole husband. So I'm a little concerned about what's in that little girl's future. Well, so, and I mean, this kind of brings up, a thematic Pandora's box that I may regret opening, but here goes. I mean, we've talked about how this is a female empowerment. I love it already. (laughs) Yeah. We've talked about, you know, how this is a female empowerment movie, and it does have that feel at first where, you know, Hannah takes agency to protect the village and uh, create life, which is something that she had fear and trauma associated with doing. And so it 
feels, you know, redemptive and, and, uh, you know, again, like her taking some power into her own hands that her community has denied her. But I mean, when it comes down to it, this golem personifies a sort of, uh, traditional, like stereotypically quote unquote female, like, you know, indiscriminate rage where it's just going out and killing people that have upset or wronged her. And by the end almost seems to personify, you know, her sort of holding on to the memory of her dead son. And I, I don't know, I, I, by the end, I don't know if this is necessarily all that feminist or as empowering as it seems in the first place. But I don't know. I'm interested to hear you all's thoughts on that. You're saying that it's like, it's kind of like the people who say that like, Oh, a, a woman can't be president because she'll be, get emotional and launch the nukes or whatever. Right. That the golem seems to personify that irrational again. And I'm put, putting giant air quotes on this, that irrational feminine rage. No, I see. I see that totally. I mean, there's a bit of carry in this too. I think just, I mean, especially with the telekinesis and the no holds barred revenge. Um, uh, yeah, I, I can definitely see that upon reflection and having just just heard your argument that it does take two steps back for every step forward. Yeah, I think that's sort of a good way to put it. I, I don't. I don't think there's anything like reprehensible or anything to like hold the movie to account for i just i'm not sure it actually knows what it's doing and in the end winds up yeah actually kind of like what you said Stephen. it sort of ends up erasing some of the early gains that it seems to be making as far as truly empowering this character yeah i see what you're saying but also i don't think there's anything i mean certainly the the idea that before you seek revenge dig two graves or whatever um is not really a unique phenomenon to any gender and i think that's kind of what this starts to go for but also i don't think this movie really dwells on the negative consequences that much like a couple people die the whole village gets destroyed but it it could not have been i mean it, it happened to an extent where we're just we were just debating whether or not the golem was actually killing good guys or not like it, it's very ambiguous like the movie's not really interested in that side of it i think well okay i i'll say this and i don't have very much to support it but i'd be interested to like keep this in mind when watching this film again if i ever do that i mean the whole village is kind of riddled with toxicity and and just sort of you know the the patriarchy has complete and utter control like maybe it is meant to be seen as like a feminist win that the whole thing just gets raised at the end Mm -hmm. and those two get to start their life off together somewhere else because Benjamin comes to understand how badly she was treated and maligned by the end of the movie as well. Like, it seems like they actually finally get on each other's level. So like, maybe they go off and create like a utopia somewhere. Yeah. I don't know if I got quite the same impression that Benjamin really got it by the end of the movie. I never liked Benjamin. I, I don't know. Maybe I wanted a little more catharsis where she just kills everyone, including Benjamin, and walks off into the sunset with the column. I mean, fuck, yes. I would 100% yeah. see that movie. I, I don't know. You know, it's fine. The ending satisfied me. I also would have been satisfied, though, if it had done a little bit more Pet Cemetery, where it's like, even after all this, she's like, no, actually, this is my son. Fuck everybody. Like, why do I care that the village got destroyed? It never did anything for me. I'm wa- I'm walking off into the sunset with this golem. Fuck it, I might make another golem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
maybe in a few years we'll get a movie with that kind of ending where the 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 woman and the golem uh kind of ride off in the sunset and and maybe a whole new franchise is born every episode they every installment they just head into a new village and fix their fucking problems (laughs) for them well, if they make that movie, I'm sure we'll watch it on every horror movie on Netflix. But would you like to know what we're watching next time? Yeah, uh, the suspense has been killing me. All right. I picked a movie that will simultaneously upset you and thrill you, hopefully. Oh, boy. I got good news and I got bad news. Oh, boy. And they're both coming at once. The bad news is I'm picking a movie that is two hours and 23 minutes long. Oh, the good news is it's the devil's advocate. Oh my oh, god. What the fuck? I saw that on Netflix the other day and I was like, shit, I want to see this. Have any of you seen it before? No. 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 I saw it on TV like as a child and I'm really looking forward to revisiting again. So on TV with commercials, is that a little bit like a Friday night with Joe Bob? Kind of. Only instead of like learning about the movie during the breaks, you learn about like Avon. I mostly just meant lengthwise. Oh, yeah, sure. So you got Keanu Reeves, you got Al Pacino, and what's the the premise? Is Keanu Reeves is like the devil's attorney or something? Yes, that's exactly it. Al Pacino is the devil? Al Pacino may or may not be the devil, (laughs) but uh, Keanu Reeves is a a hot young lawyer, and uh, (laughs) I I, I think he gets welcomed into a firm, much like a John Grisham story, and is, you know, given all sorts of opportunities, uh, but he is is getting off uh, evil clients and maybe the devil himself. Wow. Is it, I mean, is... (laughs) Is there actually like a horror element to this movie though? Because it mostly just kind of sounds like a legal thriller, sort of, with a supernatural element mixed in. I think you're correct, but okay. it's in the but Netflix in the horror, horror catalog. Category. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Wow. I know exactly how it eventually becomes a horror movie, and I'm still excited to see it. Sign me up for any legal drama with Al Pacino. Did someone notable direct this? It seems like there has to be a notable director. Taylor Hackford. Oh, okay. Director of Ray. You're right. And an officer and a gentleman. And Dolores Claiborne. Yeah, just one of those workhorse, like, 90s, 2000s Hollywood guys. Yeah, a whole bunch of movies in his filmography that have absolutely nothing in common. Yeah. Oh, I know him because he directed the Chuck Be- the amazing Chuck Berry documentary, Hail, Hail, Rock and Roll, with Keith Richards. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's a good movie. Oh, shit. All right. So in two weeks, we're watching The Devil's Advocate. Sick. Until then, like Patrick said earlier, find us online, Amoncast, E-H-M-O-N, cast on all the social media platforms that are worth a damn. Leave us a message. Send us a review. Buy our t-shirt. You know the drill. See you in two weeks. For every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. I'm Stephen. Goodbye.
Oh, it never bothered me anyway. 